You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington. How you guys doing? Doing all right. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Really excited about today. We're going to start with a song where we celebrate the fact that Jesus has brought us from spiritual death into life. And you guys are the 11 o'clock service, so I think you're going to have a little more energy. Can you guys help me out? All right, you ready to go? Why don't we get on our feet if you're able to do that, and let's celebrate with this song. This is our testimony. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I try to hide mm, It was my tomb Till I met you Alright, if you know this, let's sing it out now When you call my name Yeah, I But chains break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. And now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, 
Before you guys have a seat, why don't you turn around and say hi to somebody? Troy campus as we are preparing for our Good Friday and Easter services. Our teams have been hard at work and we cannot wait to share this holiday with you. For our Good Friday services, we're going to lean into a couple stories of two people who were there at the cross and how their lives were completely, radically transformed by what they experienced. We'll focus on the three words that changed everything, that changed everything for them and that changed it for us. Father, forgive them. We'll look at what God endured in Christ in order to forgive and how the crucifixion reveals God as our Savior. After the crucifixion, the followers of Jesus, they were disappointed, grief-stricken, and hopeless. They left and fled. And we read in the book of Luke about two disciples who actually turned their back to Jerusalem and walked away in disappointment. Now, I know for so many of us, we've probably experienced moments in our own journey where we've been disappointed. There's been suffering. We've experienced hardship and loss and hopelessness ourselves. And many times it's easy to want to turn away, to go high, to give up, to stop believing, stop trusting, and stop hoping. But on that road, those two disciples, they learn that their king is alive again. Their disappointment gives way to joy and hope is restored in the risen King of Kings. Jesus is alive. And we are looking forward to be able to celebrate our risen Savior together at one of our Easter services. So come join us and celebrate Easter at Kensington. Hey, good morning, Troy Campus. Welcome all of you. You guys awake and doing okay? Fantastic. Hey, welcome to all of you here in the room. For those of you who are joining us via stream, wherever you are, grateful that you are here with us as well. And as Shauna mentioned in the video, our team has been really, really hard at work. And this past week, I got a glimpse of what is going to be happening on Good Friday as well as Easter. And the creative elements are really powerful from the music to the videos and to so many other aspects of the service. And so we want to invite you to come for one of our two Good Friday services that are going to be happening this coming Friday. And for Good Friday, we do not need tickets. And so feel free just to come, bring somebody else with you. But for our Easter services, and we're going to be having five of those, two on Saturday and three on Sunday, we will need tickets. And the reason is, is because we just want to have an understanding of how many people are planning to come just so that we can accommodate everyone. And they are totally free. And so just feel free, go to our website, go to our app, and you can get all of your tickets there. But at the same time, 
time, as we've been challenging people for the past several weeks, we want to invite you not only to come or to watch, but also invite somebody to come with you as well. Because this is one of those seasons during the year where people are so open to coming and hearing the life-transforming message of Jesus. And so we would love for you to extend that invite to whoever, to somebody in your sphere of influence. Also, one of the things that we celebrate at Easter is we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again. And because he did, that we have an opportunity when we say yes to him to experience this new life that can only be found in him. And new life is also what we're going to be celebrating on May 1st through baptism. And if you don't know what baptism is, what we believe here at Kensington is that there's nothing magical that happens in the water. But rather, baptism is an external symbol of an internal reality. And that when someone is placed in the water, it symbolizes their old self before they came to know Jesus. That old self is now dead and buried. And when they come up out of the water, it symbolizes the new life that we now have in Jesus. And so if you are a Jesus follower and you have never taken that step, you've never been baptized, we'd love for you to be baptized on May 1st. And to find out more information, to register, all you have to do is you can go to the website or you can go to the app. Or for those of us here in the room, just go out to the hub and you'll see people with orange shirts on and they will love to be able to help you as well. And if you have been with us for the past several weeks, you have been introduced to our final senior pastor candidate, Craig Springer, his wife, Sarah, as well as his two children, Isaiah and Isabel. And one of the things that we've been mentioning over the past several weeks is that we are going to be voting for him to affirm him as our senior pastor candidate or as our senior pastor because our bylaws here at Kensington, they state that the decision of the senior pastor is a decision to be made by our elders, but it must be affirmed by our congregation through a vote. And so we are going to be voting today. But before we actually do, just in case you missed any of the events that we've had over the past several weeks to meet the Springers, we wanted to watch this video to sort of catch us all up to speed. So let's check this out together. Hi, Kensington Church. We are the Springer family. I wanted to introduce you to our wonderful children, and then you'll hear more about Sarah and I. Hi, I'm Isabel. Hi, I'm Isaiah. And they're going to jump out, but we wanted to just tell you how much we have enjoyed getting to know all about Kensington Church. The heart for those who don't know Jesus, the heart for those who have needs globally and locally, the heart to reach our neighbors and build community and help all people grow closer to Christ. We've just loved it. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about Kensington as we get getting to know you as a church? It's been incredible to see the love, the faithfulness, and the commitment of the people that we've met. We've had so much fun. Yeah, this is just a community where no one has anything to prove, no one has anything to hide, and people can come and grow and be healed and change, and we've loved that. And I discovered Jesus my senior year of high school. I did all the rebellious stuff you can imagine and got to the end of my senior year and just said, God, I'm so empty. Would you show me if you're real? And a friend invited me to a church not dissimilar to Kensington. It was flourishing. And I walked in the student ministry and someone opened up the scriptures and, and taught from John 4 and said, Jesus is a living water. If you come to him, you'll never thirst again. And I just say, God, I am so thirsty. Would you come into my life and my heart? And he transformed me and filled me with purpose and direction and hope. And Sarah has a similar story as well. Yes. Similarly, as my senior year of high school, I came to know Christ as well. And 
I went away to college and was able to meet Craig right, you know, in the first few weeks really of school and our relationship really grew there. We got involved in a young adult ministry together there and got married two weeks after I graduated college, which I'm sure my parents had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been married over 21 years and have had a lot of fun adventures together in that time. We were able to church plant in the Czech Republic and both of us have been involved in a leadership development program together and I have also done some leadership in various ministries. Now I'm actually leading an anti-sex trafficking organization. I'm on the executive team and really uh, learning how to serve those who are often overlooked and in need. And so as a couple, we're so excited for this new adventure with our children, really excited to help build community and grow people's hearts. We've been passionate to help people find and follow Jesus as a couple and together with the church community. It's taken us, as you've heard, on many adventures, you know, global ministry and church planting overseas. We were based at Willow Creek Community Church for almost 20 years of our life, growing in faith, learning to love those and reach those who don't know Jesus, learning you know, solid leadership and leadership development skills. I was able to launch a campus very similar to what Kensington experiences, multiple campuses all over, re recognizing how to contextualize and yet stay aligned with kind of the central mission and vision and values and led ministry at a large church in the Denver, Colorado area, a church that loved Jesus tremendously, grew closer to him, but was losing some impact in reaching its community. And we're able to see a church transform from just baptizing a couple dozen people a year to a few hundred people a year, really a revitalization in sharing Jesus with the community. And most recently, the last five or so years, I've been leading as the executive director for Alpha, which is a ministry designed to help people find and follow Jesus in a welcoming, listening-based environment where people can belong before they have to believe. It's in over 8,000 churches across the nation. We reach over 500,000 people annually and have just seen so many people come to know Christ through the local church. And it's just been at heart for people to find Jesus. And in this oncoming season of our lives, we, we've just been praying and deciding, you know, it's, it's the local church that we wanna stay anchored in, in these forthcoming decades of ministry together as a family. And we, we couldn't be more excited. I am really excited about a number of things of moving to Michigan. One is apple cider donuts. Yes. Okay, I'm thrilled about apple cider donuts. I'm thrilled about picking my first Michigan apple off the tree. I cannot wait. I love water. So excited to experience all the lakes that Michigan has to offer. And that's a little God wink because I love water so much. And God's like, if you're not going to the ocean, I'm gonna take you to a state that has the most amount of water you can get to. And so, we're, we're, like so born in, we're born and bred Chicagoans. Yes. So we get the yeah. whole Midwest right. work ethic, the Midwest weather. Totally. And we do miss autumn where we are oh. located now, cannot so. wait for those colorful leaves. Anyways, that's all exciting. But I also am really passionate about the transformational journey of someone's heart. And I'm really, really thrilled knowing we have multiple campuses here at Kensington. Very excited for the opportunities to find ways to develop and enrich people. So as much as we are all about 
seeking the lost, those far from Christ, we are just as impassioned about developing people and developing people's hearts and souls and producing that freedom that only God can bring in a life. And, you know, we're, we're just two people joining the many of Kensington already. And we really believe in the body of Christ being many parts coming together in his name to do good. And we cannot wait to partner with you in that. I love it. Yeah. And God has had his hand on Kensington Church ever since day one. And the beautiful team with Steve and Mark and Dave and, and so many other people over 30 some years. And we get to continue on in that beautiful legacy of reaching those who don't know Jesus, serving those in need, and having a, a strong impact in this community. Let's dream that future together in his name. So what's your favorite baking show? Baking Impossible. <laughs> Why? Because baking... <laughs> I can't do baking? this! We got this! Hi, Kensington Church. We're the Springer family. We're so thrilled to be considered for the... Uh, oh, <laughs> Hi, Kensington. Was, wait, because <laughs> earlier yeah, you said so something laughing. and my hand was in my face. <laughs> no. I, no, 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 just. Are we all ready? Um, yes. Laughing. Uh, and he said you're able to cut and edit and we'll make this work smoothly. Yeah. Hey, Kensington Church, we are Craig and Sarah and. Isabel. And Isaiah. I, I gotta do that over. <laughs> I was gonna do it differently. <laughs> It's really, really hard to do it in one take. Almost impossible when you have that many people. But they did a great job. And one of the things that I've, as I've gotten to know the Springers over the past several weeks, is that really uh, what we see is really what we get. And they are really, really authentic and kind people who love Jesus and who love his people. And so we're excited about today because today is a very, very important day where we as a community are going to be voting at, for him as our senior pastor candidate, our final senior pastor candidate. But before we do, and before we get the details on how to do that, I also wanted to be able to pray. And so would you join me in prayer? So Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for your goodness, for your faithfulness to us as a community, God, not just over these past handful of years, but really for these last three plus decades that this community has been in existence, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have always been our foremost leader. And it's ultimately through your work, through this community, that you have been able to impact the lives of people, not just here in our area, but truly all around the world. And Lord, we are also grateful for the Springers and the fact that you have brought them to this community. And we truly believe, Lord, that Craig is our next leader to lead us into this next season of our journey, this next chapter of our story, Lord, that you have for us. And so, Lord, we just pray that as we vote, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to do so. Give us wisdom also as a community as we move forward. And ultimately, God, this mission that you have given us to reach the one who is far from you, that we as a community would continue to lean into that mission and to be able to do what you have called us to do. And so thank you, Lord, for each person here, whether they're here in person or watching on stream. Thank you for this beautiful community. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. 
And so right now, what we're going to do is we are going to vote. And so this is one of those times where you, if you have a mobile device, you can get it out because all of the voting is going to be done electronically. So it doesn't matter whether you're here in the room or whether you are joining us via stream. And what's also really important to understand is that voting will only be happening at during our services today. So it's really important if you are planning to vote, which we hope you are, that we do so now. And so these are the four ways that we can vote using our mobile device. And you'll see it, you can go to the website kensingtonchurch.org forward slash vote. We can also vote via the app. That QR code that's right there, just point your phone towards that and it'll bring you right up to the page uh, where you need to vote. Or you can also text the word vote to 248-845-1646 and it will then send you a link that will make it really, really easy to vote. But let me also say for those in the room, if uh, for some reason you are unable to vote using your mobile phone, you can also go out to the hub and you'll see people with orange shirts on and they have plenty of iPads for you to vote there as well. So we're going to take a few minutes and just allow everyone to vote and feel free, no rush, because there'll be plenty of time, but let's vote together. Thank you for voting, everyone. And if for some reason you were unable to do so on your mobile device, you can go out to the hub afterwards and you can vote on one of those iPads as well. And so today we are in the third week of our series, 12 Hours. And if you've been following along with us, this series is really focused on looking at the final 12 hours of Jesus's life before he went to the cross. And today we have Shauna Schwaninger, who's one of our central teaching pastors with us, who's going to be leading us. So can we give her a huge hand, everyone? Also, today is a day on the church calendar that's called Palm Sunday. And if you grew up in the church, you might be familiar with it. If not, that's totally fine as well. But it really is a day for us to remember and to celebrate what happened when Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem. Because Jesus entered into Jerusalem five days before he would go to the cross. And he came in riding on a donkey. And when he entered in, people recognized him and acknowledged him as king, as the savior of the world, as the Messiah that they had been waiting centuries for. And so one of the ways that they honored him was by placing palm branches on the road in front of him so even his donkey's feet wouldn't have to touch the ground. And so outside in the lobby, when you go out, you can grab a palm branches. And we also have an activity where we can take a palm branch and make it into a cross, which is a really fun activity. doesn't matter whether you're 8 or 80 or somewhere in between. We'd love for you to take part in this. But something else that the people shouted as Jesus was entering in is this word, Hosanna. And what it means is that it means save us, deliver us. And that's what the Jewish people had been waiting centuries for their Messiah to do. But what Jesus, how he would save his people wouldn't be in the way that they anticipated or expected or even wanted, but it would be in a totally different way. But that is the reason why Jesus came to save us, to deliver us from our sins, from something that we could not do. And so what we want to do is we want to recognize and celebrate that fact through this song that Nate and the band are going to lead us in. And so if you are able, I'd love for you to stand and let's sing this song out together.
Good morning. Hello, hello, and welcome to everyone who has joined us online. We are so glad you are here with us. And I do want to give a little announcement to our online people that we are going to be receiving communion at the end of our service today. So if you have not had a chance, this would be a great opportunity to go grab something to be your communion elements, whether you get some crackers or some juice, but we'd love for you to be able to participate with us later in the service today. So as Andrew mentioned, that today is Palm Sunday, the Sunday that we remember when Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem and the crowds welcomed him with these shouts of praise, of crying out Hosanna, as they were expecting their king to come save them. And we actually read about this in the book of John chapter 12. It says, the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And so these shouts of Hosanna filled the street, much like we just filled this auditorium with that same word, in celebration of the expected king. Now today we are wrapping up our series, as Andrew mentioned, called 12 Hours, where we have been looking at the last 12 hours of Jesus' life before the cross. Now, five days after he entered into the city of Jerusalem, with crowds singing in joyful praise, crying out Hosanna, it's a much different situation. The crowds are now shouting, crucify him. From save us, 
to crucify him, from king to criminal, from celebrated to condemned. It's all coming to a head. These last 12 hours of Jesus' trial, he has been falsely accused. He's been mocked and insulted. And it's all about to culminate in his brutal death. And today we're gonna lean into the final moments before the cross. And throughout this series, these 12 hours, we've really seen his kingdom on display. And the kingdom of Jesus is really an upside down kingdom. It stands in inverse relationship to the kingdom of the world, to the kingdoms of the world at that time, but also to the kingdoms of our world. We live in a world that has a culture really that is about self. It's about building up a kingdom of self, whether that's through control or power, it's through accumulating things, it's all about us, our money, our status. What can we do to build a kingdom of self? And throughout the series, we've seen Jesus display a much different kingdom. And if you've been following along with us in our devotional 30 Days with Jesus, you've also seen that. I wanna encourage you, if you have not had a chance to participate in that devotional that we have, please grab one on your way out. We would love for you to continue to just be with us as we finish out this series and lead us up into Good Friday and Easter. But this kingdom was much different. And so Jesus, he's before Pilate, but we're gonna kind of backtrack just a little bit today. Now, last week we saw Jesus before the Sanhedrin council in his trial. And after the Sanhedrin council, they actually took him to Pilate. But Pilate saw nothing wrong, no guilt in him. So he actually then kind of pawns him off to Herod. Now, Jesus was a Galilean and Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction. And we read about this part in the trial of Jesus in the book of Luke. It says in Luke 23, when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. So Jesus stands there before Herod. And he stands there in silence. A humble man, most likely wearing a very simple, but probably at this point, a tattered robe. Nothing that would say or nod towards him being a king. Nothing kingly or ornate about it. And as he stands there in silence, he is ridiculed and mocked. And Herod then almost sarcastically dresses him in a fine robe, meant for a king, ridiculing the notion of his kingdom. Two very different robes, representing two very different kingdoms. And Jesus just stood there in silence. And his response to Herod and really to any of the Jewish leaders really was unheard of. But not only that, but it actually gives us a glimpse into his kingdom. Now, even today, if you were to look back through historical accounts of religious leaders on trial, 
you would see most of them use the court or to use the system in their defense. But that's not what Jesus does here. He just stands there in silence and in humility as he is mocked, insulted, and as they really try to do everything they can to preserve their power, their kingdom. Now, we've all had moments in our life where we've experienced a wrongdoing. Maybe we've been insulted, there's been a hurt, maybe we've been falsely accused or attacked. There's been some misunderstanding of something. And most of the time, we probably tend to respond in a manner of self-defense. I can think of a time in my life where my husband and I, we had resigned from our jobs and we just knew it was the right time. We had peace about it. And so we met with our boss and we went through the whole process. And then our boss insisted that he would write a resignation letter for us that could be then shared with our fellow staff and then with the volunteers that we had worked with. Okay, sounds great. All right, let's do this thing. But I'll never forget hearing that letter. I'm sitting there and he starts to read this letter and it is just full of false information. It made us look bad, that we had no skills, that we didn't know what we were doing, that the organization was now going to be better because we were no longer a part of it. And I could just feel it. I don't know if you've ever experienced where you've been like misunderstood or felt, and it was literally, I could feel the blood just like, and I sat there and I'm just shaking and I'm like, now I tend to be more quiet and reserved But in that moment, I visually saw myself like leaping across to physically harm this person because I was like, that is not who we are. Because in those moments when we have been accused and it's false and it's misunderstood, we tend to want to defend ourselves, lash out, make sure that they know what they have done is wrong, it's not truthful. So whether that means we're yelling in a boardroom Or maybe we're over coffee with a friend and we're just kind of spilling venomous words to make sure they know, well, okay, yeah, this is who I really am. Or a lot of times now it's really easy because we can just go make a social media post and let the world know. Because we want to defend ourselves. But here before Herod, Jesus, we see him, it's not what he does. And really this gives us a glimpse into his kingdom. And not only that, but when you look through the gospels, the things that Jesus did and what he taught was actually to look into our hearts and to rid that hate and that anger and to love and to love those who hurt us, who have wronged us. So Jesus is before Pilate, before Herod, and then he is sent off back to Pilate. And before we lean into those final moments between Pilate and Jesus, we're gonna take a moment to receive our offering this morning. Because when you give to Kensington, you are giving to our mission, and it's a mission for people to experience the love and the hope of Jesus, to experience this kingdom that we have been talking about throughout this series. A kingdom of love, of grace, of compassion, of kindness. And that happens in so many different ways here at Kensington. It happens through our campuses, through different ministries and events, it's through our movement network and our global partners, but all the different ways because of your giving that we are able to continue to share this kingdom with the people around us 
And so you can give by going to our website. You can go to our app. You can even text the word Kensington to 77977, or you can even uh, drop it off in the wooden boxes on your way out of the auditorium. But we are so grateful and so thankful for you being on mission with us that we can together bring the values of this kingdom that Jesus displayed for us to our community and to our world. And so Jesus, he is brought back to Pilate. Now, Pilate, he was the Roman governor of Judea, which was located in Jerusalem. And Pilate, he most likely wore a crown, maybe something similar to this, probably a bit more of a real deal, but gold, maybe it had jewels on it, but this crown, it represented his power, his authority, it represented his kingdom. Now, Jesus, he too would soon wear a crown, but a much different crown, a crown made of thorns, two very different crowns representing two very different kingdoms. And you have these two men, both powerful, but are now standing face to face. And before we lean into the conversation and the dialogue that happens between Pilate and Jesus, I think it's significant that we would know who these men are. And so we're gonna use our imagination this morning and we're gonna imagine if Pilate and Jesus had a resume, what would that look like? Now, for many of us in here today or watching online, you've probably had to put together a resume at one point in your life. And a resume is to highlight your strengths, your skills, your accomplishments. It kind of gives a snapshot of your past experience. And so if you're applying for a job, there is this fine art of making a really good resume because you don't want it to be three lines because then it kind of looks like you don't know anything. But you can't be five pages long in a resume because people will be like, uh-uh. It's that sweet spot of that one page. And because you want if a potential employer to be like, hey, look at me. I'm awesome. Okay, that's kind of the goal of your resume. Now, I'm a huge fan of the TV show, The Office. Do I have any other Office fans in here? Yes, you are my people. Thank you. Uh, But there is a scene in The Office with this character when I think of putting together a resume. And I brought a screenshot of it because her resume, uh, we'll just say struggling. So that's Pam. And that's all she has on her resume. And she says that it can fit on a post-it note. I don't think Pam's resume screams, I'm awesome. (laughs) Kind of the opposite. Now, Pilate and Jesus, I think their resumes are gonna be a little different. So let's take a moment and imagine maybe what Pilate's resume could look like. So Pilate, he was born in Rome. He was educated in the best schools. He served as a Roman knight of the Samnite clan, which was a warlike tribe that was in the mountainous area of Southern Italy. He was politically savvy. The dude was seriously ambitious. He was appointed the governor of Israel. He found favor with the emperor by hanging images of him throughout Jerusalem, basically to worship him. He had coins minted bearing the image of Caesar, which the Jews did not like. And he kept the Jews in their place, violently if needed. So this is Pilate. I mean, the the guy's educated. He, he's been like born in Rome. It's all the things that make him like the man. So let's take a look at what maybe Jesus, what his resume could look like. 
He was born in scandal to a woman found to be pregnant before she was married, though she claimed to be a virgin. His birth, it occurred in a dirty stable, crowded with smelly animals. He spent his early childhood years as a refugee in Egypt. He spent most of his life in a little town called Nazareth. And he had a blue collar career until about the age of 30 there as a carpenter. From age 30 to present, he has served as a Jewish rabbi, but without any formal education. And he was rejected by the religious establishment. He traveled around Israel with a dozen uneducated men as his followers. And there were healings and other miracles. (laughs) Now, if you were to take those resumes and put them side by side and compare them, now minus healings and miracles, from a human perspective, who has all the power? You'd be like, duh, Pilate. I mean, he's the guy. He was born in Rome. He has the education. He's politically savvy. He is the man of power. Two very different men representing two very different kingdoms are standing face to face. So let's take a look at part of their conversation. It says in John 18, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. So in this dialogue, Pilate asks Jesus if he is the king of the Jews. And the response that Jesus gives us really almost sums up this entire series that we've been in. That yes, he is a king, but his kingdom is not of this world. Now, I don't know how Pilate responded exactly in that moment, but I wonder, did he kind of just go, okay, this dude's lost his marbles. He's a little crazy. He thinks he's a king and it's not of this world. Like, is is he going, this guy is just a lunatic? But either way, this is his response. In verse 38, with this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. He finds no reason to charge Jesus. But let's be clear, Jesus did not deny that he is a king. There was no denial in it whatsoever, but yet Pilate, he finds no threat in Jesus. Like if he had, execution would have probably been immediate in that moment, but there's like nothing. So Pilate's like, there's no charge against you. And from this conversation and what follows, we see Jesus display his kingdom. But not only that, But I think we get a clear picture of what it means for us to be a part of this kingdom. And so when it comes to his kingdom, there are two things I want us to consider today. And the first one is this. His kingdom is not of this world. Now, when I hear that phrase, and be honest, I'm a really visual person. So when I hear not of this world, (laughs) no joke, I kind of picture a UFO flying by with a little alien head. (laughs) Because it's like, not of this world, Or I kind of think back to my childhood and that this idea that the kingdom was in heaven. And so I picture the pearly gates and the gold streets. But when Jesus is referring to this idea that his kingdom is not of this world, it's it's not so much 
of that it's an outer space, but that it's more that he's, not that he's absent from this world, but that his kingdom is not producing the same kind of kingdoms our world produces. So our world is producing kingdoms of control, kingdoms of power and violence if necessary, that power and control over people. And Jesus is saying he as a king is different and his kingdom is different. So when he's talking to Pilate, his response about the kingdom is actually that same phrase that he uses. It's meaning the same thing when Jesus shares about what we would call the Lord's prayer. When he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I grew up in a Christian home. And so I memorized verses like the Lord's prayer at a young age. I went to Sunday school every week. I went to youth group. I even went off to Bible school and have spent my life really working in the church. But I can remember as an adult having this like aha moment when I really realized that the kingdom of heaven and what Jesus is talking about, what is his kingdom, that it's not somewhere off in outer space and that it's not somewhere in the future. And it's not about this idea that I get a ticket and I get to go to heaven and experience this kingdom one day, but the kingdom is actually here. That his kingdom is on earth and that it is now. But not only that, his kingdom is here because I'm invited to be a part of it. That all of us, we get to be the kingdom on earth. That we get to reflect heaven on earth. Now, if that is the case, then what does that mean? What does that even really look like? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, God's will is everything that Jesus did and taught. So it is characterized by love, by grace, by mercy, compassion, forgiveness, by serving. These are the values of his kingdom. And his kingdom will flourish on earth when the followers, those of us who choose to be followers of Jesus when we follow the values of his kingdom. When we choose to live a life with those values, his kingdom will flourish. I love how Dallas Willard says it when it talks about the kingdom. He says that it is the range of effective rule of Jesus on earth. The range of effective rule on Jesus on earth. So then our role then for those of us who are Christ followers, is that we get to be part of expanding his effective rule and range on earth through how we live. It's by how we live. It's by when we choose to love our enemies, to forgive when we have been wronged, when we are generous to those in need, that we get to choose to live out the values of his kingdom. And it can be in small ways. It can be mowing someone's lawn, your neighbor's lawn maybe, who's been sick for three weeks, or bringing a meal to someone who's experienced a loss or choosing not to retaliate in that post on social media. When we get to reflect these values and how we live our lives, it's wherever and whenever we see the world around us not reflect the values of the kingdom and that we step in and we bring change. By how we live our lives, we are bringing God's kingdom to earth. So it can be small. It can also be in the big ways. And our, when we see it throughout our world, it can be in your neighborhood. It can be in our cities. It can be in our world. It's even like how Kensington, our response to the Ukraine to the conflict there, the how we have been partnering with Send International and that through our giving to Send International, we are actually able to provide simple things 
food and water to people that are leaving conflict. That is stepping in to the world that does not reflect the values of heaven, but we get to step in and be a part of that. That we can bring love, kindness and compassion because his kingdom is not of this world. We also see this, that his kingdom is defined by the power of love. Jesus' kingdom is not defined by violence or control. It is defined by love. So Pilate, he found no guilt in Jesus, nothing. But as it was customary at that time during Passover, it would be that he would release a prisoner. And in his head, he's thinking, well, it's just gonna be Jesus. I'm just gonna get him back. But instead, the crowds end up shouting Barabbas as they want the release of a prisoner, a criminal named Barabbas. And they shout Barabbas while shouting that they want Jesus crucified. Jesus is flogged and mocked. And that crown of thorns is placed on his head. The dialogue continues in John chapter 19. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So here in this intense situation, the crowds are shouting for the release of Barabbas. Jesus has been flogged and mocked. There's a crown of thorns on his head and we see love peeking through. I mean, Pilate is caught in this no-win situation, but yet Jesus says, hey, the blame does not lie with you. It lies with those who brought me to you. I have to imagine that Pilate was somewhat astounded by these words. And we see, we see him try really hard to actually set Jesus to be released to go free. But in the end, he will hand Jesus over to be crucified. But it's not because he found some guilty charge or that Jesus was some sort of threat to Rome. It's more because there was a threat of an uprising of the Jewish leaders. So really, it's a self-serving and self-protecting choice that Pilate makes. And in the end, he washes his hands publicly and says, the guilt is yours and not mine. And even here we see the kingdom of Jesus displayed because he had the power to stop it. He could have just halted everything. But love doesn't. Instead, love submits. And we see love restrain. And we will see the kingdom of God displayed through our world and through our lives through restraint, through our love and through our grace. So Jesus and Pilate, two very different men representing two very different kingdoms are standing there face to face. 
But I think it would be significant for us to maybe get a broader picture of who really is standing in front of Pilate. Because a few minutes ago, we kind of imagined what the resumes could look like. And yes, we started with Jesus in Bethlehem, but that's not really where his resume begins. So let's go back. Let's go all the way back and see who is standing before Pilate. In John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In Colossians chapter one, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. In Hebrews chapter one, it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And in 1 Corinthians 8, it says, yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. That is who is standing before Pilate, the creator, God Almighty, all powerful, all authority. That is who is before Pilate. And love submitted. Love submitted. His kingdom was on display again. And it's a kingdom that we are invited to be a part of. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean when it comes to our lives? And I think we need to ask ourselves really, what is our posture towards the kingdoms of our world? The kingdoms of power, authority, the kingdoms of politics, the kingdoms of self. How are we responding? What does that look like in our lives, in our actions, in our social media posts? How are we living out the values of his kingdom? How is his love lived out? What does it look like in our conversations, in our time, in the things that we invest our lives in? How is his love lived out? Because we are invited to be a part of this kingdom. But I'll be honest, most of the time, I know for myself, it's not always my first reaction. It's not my first response because it kind of goes against everything in our culture and naturally what we want to do. Because we kind of tend to live for the kingdom of self, to serve ourselves. But this kingdom is about serving others and it's serving others through grace and mercy and kindness, forgiveness, redemption, compassion, and serving. That is the kingdom that we are invited to be a part of. This kingdom defined by love. 
And so Jesus, wearing the crown of thorns, carries his own cross to the place of the skull and allows himself to be put to death. In the garden, he said he could have called out for 10,000 angels to come rescue, to deliver him. And even in his conversation with Pilate, he tells Pilate, you really have no authority over me. He is God. He is creator. But love submitted. And this is what we are invited to be a part of and to live. This is the kingdom. And so today we wanna take a moment to remember and to reflect on that love. Jesus actually asks us to remember. Because in an upper room, a few hours before Jesus is arrested in the garden, he shares a meal with his closest friends. And so for those of you in the auditorium, I'm gonna invite you to um, take out your communion cup. And for anyone watching the line, if you have not had a chance, this would be a great opportunity to go grab some elements so that you can also participate with us in communion. And if you do not receive a cup, please just raise your hand as one of our ushers would love to be able to bring a communion element to you. And I'm actually going to invite you to get the stuff out because these things can be kind of tricky sometimes. So you can take off that first layer to take out the wafer and then you can open up the cup. So Jesus is sitting with his friends and he reaches across the table and he takes some bread and he holds the cup in his hand. All the while he knows what is ahead. He knows the suffering. And he shares some words with these men that have been with him for these last few years, his closest friends. Words that really reflect his kingdom, but words that have echoed throughout history because they are not just for those 12 men, but for us too. Words of love, of his grace and his forgiveness. And so together, let's receive communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake in the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you join me in prayer? God, we just, just wanna take this moment to remember 
to reflect on your great love, which at times it's even hard to put in words. The sacrifice and your love and the forgiveness and the grace that you displayed through the cross. This love that you lived out and that is the foundation of your kingdom. And I pray for each one of us as we just reflect and remember on that, that we would just take a step to lean into that and to what that means for each one of us personally in our own lives, of what that looks like to live out your love and to live our lives with the values of your kingdom that we are stepping into the things that do not look like your kingdom to bring about that change to bring your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness, that we would be people of your love, that we would reflect your heart, your grace. And we are so thankful for your redemption, for your forgiveness, that you are our servant king We thank you for your love in your name. Amen. with us. 
tribe and song through every age this anthem in that song because it just so beautifully describes our king, this king of this kingdom that we have been focusing on these last few weeks. That is our king. And we are invited to be his follower and to reflect him in the world around us. Now this journey is not over We've been in the last 12 hours over these last few weeks and it's going to culminate on Good Friday and Easter. And so we invite you to come back as we take the time to reflect and to remember and to sit in Good Friday, to lean into the words that change everything. Father, forgive them. To lean into his love and the sacrifice but also the hope because of his sacrifice. And then we hope that you will come back on either Saturday or Sunday as we celebrate that death did not have the victory, but that we have a risen King who is alive. So please join us and invite someone
to come experience the hope that is only found in Him this Easter. We also want to let you know that our prayer team is going to be down front if you'd like someone to pray with you. And if you are new to Kensington, please stop by the hub. Our team would love to meet you. Or if you have some questions about an event, a ministry, or who we are, or if you had any issues voting today, please stop by there as our team is there available to help. But otherwise, we look forward to celebrating the holiday with you. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.